You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We have some draft talk to get to today. And what's really interesting as we dig into all of this, as we try and project forward, one of the things that we can usually rely on is the trends that we see with the Packers draft picks. And the Packers front office, going back to Ron Wolf, has had preferences on the types of players that they like. They have thresholds may be an unfair term. It is the term that I often use. It is the term that we often see used in the media, that the Packers have these bright lines that they draw. And they do tend to be exclusionary, but they also can be buoying to a player's stock. But right now, things are different because of the way this offseason has been affected. With the coronavirus... Stopping travel, stopping pro days, stopping these interviews. We have an enormous swath of players in the NFL draft who have not completed their testing. And this is a problem for them and for teams for a number of reasons. Number one is it paints an incomplete picture of the prospect. And when you have that, when you have that uncertainty It is a problem for teams. Jim Nagy, who is the executive director of the Senior Bowl, talked about this on Twitter. He mentioned if a team has two players graded similarly, and even if they think athletically they are similar, the player that they have more information on is the surer bet because they are more fully informed with all of the information on that player so they are better equipped to make a decision on that player. And so these players who maybe they were hurt at the combine or maybe they chose not to perform at the combine because they're like, look, I don't need to. I'm saving it for my pro day or the best opportunity for me to succeed is at my pro day. And so that's when I'm going to showcase my skills. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to really show out. And that's great in a normal year. This is not a normal year. Well, the Packers use those athletic testing numbers and they use them as demarcating lines. And their point in doing this is to say the the chances based on our study of these things that a player succeeds if they don't meet certain athletic requirements. There are certain things where if you are not big enough or you are not fast enough or you are not agile enough, 
you just can't play in the NFL, or it is very unlikely that you can play in the NFL. And there are clear markers that we've seen in the past. We talked about them before the combine. The cornerback position is a stopwatch position. If you're not fast, if you can't run, you can't play. There is compelling data around the offensive line and the short shuttle and three cone. If you hit a certain threshold, you are much more likely to be a successful player. Same thing with the 40. If you can change direction, you're much more likely to be a successful pass rusher. Well, how does this affect Green Bay scouting when you have incomplete information on so many players? And this presents a problem for them. So by way of example, the receivers, as of right now, only five receivers meet the thresholds for Green Bay. Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman Jr., John Hightower, Gabriel Davis, and Freddie Swain. Five players. 28 guys at the Combine do not meet their preferred athletic profile. Guys like K.J. Hamler, too small. Jalen Rager, not quick enough side-to-side. And LaVisca Chanel, too slow. And then there are this other group of players. It's 20 guys who have not finished their athletic testing. So now we can use a metric like relative athlete score. Traditionally speaking, they like players. Brian Gutekunst has liked players with a relative athlete score of 8.4 or higher. How are these guys relative to players at their position traditionally? Well, there are a bunch of guys who have incomplete testing but meet this requirement. Guys like Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Chase Claypool. Guys on day three, guys like Antonio Gibson, Joe Reed. These are names at the receiver position, for example, we should be thinking about. And these are the kind of compromises Green Bay might have to make because they're going to go into this with incomplete information. Not everyone is going to have... a a digital pro day. You know, Zach Moss from Utah, the running back, had a pro day where it was just him and a coach. And they filmed it, and they tried to make it as official as possible, and and some teams are going to appreciate it, and some teams are going to throw it out and say, we don't care. He ran a good 40 time. We don't buy it. We weren't there for him to prove it. I do think, using this data, I think Green Bay cares about this stuff, and I think using this data... Now that we have and we know that this is all we're going to go on, this is also the same information that Green Bay is going to go on. And maybe they'll use, you know, there's going to be some 40 times, for example, from spring in college. They do these end of season or preseason. I guess it's spring, so I guess it's preseason. They do athletic testing for a lot of these guys. And maybe if they think that they have good numbers from that, they'll use that. But this gives us a, a good roadmap here. I do think K.J. Hamler is going to be too small. If you see a mock with K.J. Hamler, understand that that would be outside of the norm for the Packers. Brian Gutekind said at Indianapolis that Randall Cobb was outside of their normal preferred size, and we always assumed, those of us who study these things, that he was actually the floor. Well, it turns out the floor is taller than Randall Cobb. And he was a break from where they like to be. Now, Brian Gutekinds has shown he is willing to do that. Jair Alexander was a break. Jay Sternberger, for example, was not a great athlete. Relative athlete score of five. Well below. Average. Now, on tape, he doesn't look like an average athlete. 
running away from defenders in the SEC. Longtime listeners of the show know that pre-draft I was in on Jay Sternberger, even though I couldn't pronounce his name. (laughs) And coming out of the draft, I kept telling you he is more athletic than he tested. I don't care about the testing. And I, I feel like I made a mistake by dropping him as far as I did. He was a top 50 player for me before he tested. And I, and I moved him down probably too far. But so when you look at this cluster of players in the top 100, okay, Denzel Mims, that's a guy that, that has been linked to Green Bay at 30. Michael Pittman, I don't think 30 is too early. I said this on Twitter yesterday. My comp for him, I know a lot of people haven't had the chance to watch him. He wasn't on good USC teams. He was on late. So you really had to be a hardcore college football fan to see him a lot. He reminds me of Kenny Galladay. He's big. He can run. He can create plays down the field. All right, John Hightower. He's a potential day three downfield type from Boise State. And Gabriel Davis from UCF, a bigger bodied receiver, can make plays outside his frame, can make plays down the field. That's a good group, but it's incomplete because you don't know what's going to happen above you. You don't know where this thing is going to go. Now, the fact that Justin Jefferson, the rest of his testing checks out, great for me and my brand because I love Justin Jefferson. But Brandon Ayuk, someone that, you know, if you use the Draft Network simulator, you can get at 62. I would be surprised if he lasts that long, given that he ran a good 40 time, jumped out of the gym, and was extremely productive last year at Arizona State. At 30, I'd be okay with Ayuk. I think he's a hell of a player. Now, get into the second round. Donovan Peoples-Jones at 62. He's going to be on the radar. Chase Claypool. I think he's a tight end, but he is someone who I think could appeal to the Packers given his athletic profile. Let him play tight end. Let him play the Jimmy Graham role. Yeah, he'll play in line some. I think he's got enough upper body strength to do that. He's a willing blocker at times. So, look, that with that kind of athletic ability, the, the thing that Notre Dame did so much with Chase Claypool was run him on the crosser and mesh. You get him in space, and because he's fast and big – He can turn a three-yard pass into a 15-yard pass, and that's the kind of player that the Packers could use in this offense. And then there's day three types, Antonio Gibson, Joe Reed, etc. The Packers are having to go into this with less information than they're used to having, but they have enough, I think, to give them a feel of of how they want to handle a position like receiver. It gets more complicated. You know, if you don't have that agility testing for offensive linemen, You could have someone who moves great straight line. Austin Jackson is a great example from USC. Great straight line mover, not a great lateral mover. And the testing numbers showed that. But sometimes, you know, you get fooled. Maybe someone just doesn't have great technique. And all of a sudden you see, oh, they they blew up the short shuttle. They blew up the three cone. Maybe they have athletic potential we can hone. Well, you don't have that when you don't have all this testing. So I'm I'm fascinated to see how that affects the way Green Bay drafts. The other thing that this truncated offseason is going to do for the Packers, and there are reports now that there's this growing feeling in the league, the offseason as it normally exists is not going to happen, that maybe even training camp is not going to be able to happen, or at least that if we don't have a normal training camp, there's a higher risk for injuries. Now, there are a lot of owners that are currently in the NFL who were in the NFL in 2011 when we came back from the lockout. 
And the Packers and the Saints came out on week one on national television and played one of the most exciting games I've ever watched. And Aaron Rodgers sort of after the fact was like, you know, aren't you glad that you wasted all that time talking about the fact that we weren't practicing? And they went on and went 15-1. and Now that season didn't end the way that they had hoped and the way that we expected it to. But it didn't bother them. Now that 2011 team was coming off a Super Bowl. They were bringing everyone back. They were bringing some people back from injury. They were basically a more talented team in a lot of ways in 2011. You add Jermichael Finley. You add Randall Cobb. I mean, they were ridiculous on offense. Obviously lost some pieces on defense. But this was also continuity. Greg Jennings had been in this offense. Jordy Nelson, Aaron Rodgers, all these guys were now fully ingrained in what they were doing. It was beyond the point of, all right, we're going into this offseason, we're making changes, and we're going to be back and better than ever in 2011. That's not what needed to happen. That is where the Packers find themselves standing here in 2020. They need to get better offensively. They're going to need to incorporate new players into this offense. And you hope... Aaron Rodgers in year two is going to improve. He's going to feel more comfortable. He's going to get that PhD in this offense that Devontae Adams is going to feel a little bit more comfortable, that these coaches who know these players more now, Matt LaFleur talks about it all the time, the importance of the coaches putting the players in the best position for them to succeed is just as important as the players knowing where to be and and calling the right plays and all those things. You have to put the players in the best position for them to succeed. Are you doing that? Well, this would have been an offseason to work on stuff like that. That's what OTAs are for. When you have rookie camp, you get an early glimpse at what the, the rookies are doing. You get to get them up to speed. So if the Packers, we talked about this yesterday, if the Packers are going to rely on a rookie receiver and you don't have the entire spring to help get them up to speed, hands-on, in-person coaching, reps with Aaron Rodgers, That's potentially problematic. And it's not like you can say, okay, well, they'll just get together in San Diego and get some reps in. No. Flying is compromised. There's now reports that domestic travel could be suspended, that airlines could either temporarily or by decree have to either limit or stop entirely domestic air travel. How would you even coordinate off-season practices? Is it even safe to do that? Are you risking transmitting the virus? By the way, the answer is yes. So how can you get this rookie up to speed? Now, we don't know what kind of accommodations are going to be made. Is it, is it possible to do some classroom work via Zoom? Is it possible to do some Google Hangouts? Is it possible to do some online learning? You hope that these kinds of things can be ironed out, that that NFL teams are going to be allowed to have these uh, technological advances that we have, the same sort of technologies that businesses use all the time. You hope that they're going to be given the opportunity to use the technology at their disposal to still get some off-season work in and still allow a, a teaching period in the spring. And, and obviously, we hope, all of us hope, not just for the NFL's sake, that we, it, we're not sitting here in July 
wondering if there's going to be training camp because it's unsafe, that it's unsafe for the players to be together, unsafe for travel. The hope would be that we've bent the curve by then and that we have some treatments, we have you know, testing on every corner, that we have a vaccine around the corner, and we're on top of this. That is the hope, of course. But we may not be in that position. And so then what does that mean for the NFL season? Now, we're not right now wondering if there's going to be an NFL season. I think the opportunity, like training camp, for example, is a quarantine. All those, you're in the dorms. You're there for two weeks. So it is, it's its own type of quarantine. If you were the NFL, you could say, okay, here's the deal. Everyone at training camp is coming two weeks early. You are isolated and we're going to make sure that everyone is healthy and corona-free. And then we're going to start training camp. And then training camp is going to happen and move forward that way. And you just say, okay, you're, you're in isolation now. And you're going to play games you know, in front of no fans or whatever it is. I mean, the NBA, there's reports now, the NBA, the owners want to have games no matter what. Because there's too much revenue at stake. There's too much money at stake. There's going to be no bailout for the NFL or the NBA. The federal government is not going to give them the billions in lost revenue that they're going to miss out on. They're not going to give them the playoff money back. They're not going to, I mean, there's clauses in the media deals that say, if you don't deliver games, we don't have to pay you advertising dollars. No one wants to do that. And so the hope is that we get to that standpoint and we have measures in place and this is going to be safe. Of course, the sooner the better for all of that stuff. But if it's not, and even along the way, because we're not there yet, and we're, we're look, we're six weeks away from having to think about this kind of stuff because that's when mini camps would be starting. So we have to think about, you know, okay, what's being lost by not having a rookie camp? Is it more important to get a veteran receiver? Does, is everything we talked about yesterday on the show about, you know, the, the receiver versus the proven veteran? Is that out the window if you don't have rookie camp? Now, my response to that would be no, because you're not just drafting someone to be useful in 2020. You give them a, a whole season and, and the learning curve is probably not that much different. If we're still going to have a normal season, a normal training camp, a normal 16-game season starting in early September, then I'm not worried about it. I think you can get up to speed. And if you, if you pick someone in the top 65 – you know, you use a first or second round pick on a receiver, then the point is they're talented enough to be ready to give you something right away. So these are things that we have to be thinking about. They're things that the Packers are thinking about. And they're things that the NFL needs to be thinking about and planning for and giving teams a heads up so that they understand what the expectation is going to be, that the players know what the expectation is going to be because it is looking like we are not going to have a normal spring at all. May is not going to be like it has been. There is not going to be OTAs. There's not going to be rookie camps. And so what does that mean for us? Well, for me, I need to figure out what kind of content we're going to bring in here. That's for sure. We're still going to have stuff. But the NFL is going to have to move on, and Green Bay is going to have to find a way to take that step, to take that year two in Matt LaFleur's offense and do the, the, the 2016 Falcons thing to take that not just step but leap if you're Aaron Rodgers to find ways to get Alan Lazard the ball, to free up Marquez Valdez-Scanling, to get EQ up to speed.
and to then to incorporate whatever offensive skill players the Packers get in this draft into this offense in 2020 to go make a run at a Super Bowl because ultimately that's the point. I put out a mock draft yesterday based a little bit on the the podcast that we did with the receivers. You know, I said if if you really want to fix the receiver position and free agency is an inferior path to the draft, and I believe that, then what you really should do is take two receivers. What if you could if you could accomplish all of your goals? And you say, okay, Michael Pittman, Brandon Ayuk, first and second round. I guess I had Ayuk in the at 30 and Pittman at 62. And there are different types of receiver. Ayuk is more a a layups and threes kind of guy. You give him bubble screens, you give him jet sweeps, and you let him run go routes. That's Brandon Ayuk. Not really gonna gonna control the middle of the field for you. Well, Michael Pittman can do that. A lot of similarities to Alan Lazard: slants, digs, posts, goes, and then in the red zone, you can use him. Build your basketball team. You know, Ayuk is a he's not a point guard. He's probably like a small forward. He's a three and D kind of guy. I like that. And then you have your power forward and Pittman. That that makes sense. And then you know you get it. You get a I got my linebacker at 94, Troy Die. I, I think he is a second-round caliber player probably, so to get him in the third is great. Jordan Elliott, I think he's a borderline third, fourth kind of guy, so to get him in the fourth is great value. And then Tanner Muse, uh, Josh Kelly, the running back, who is who does hit the athletic thresholds that they're looking for. I tried to use all of those for these picks. Didn't get an offensive tackle until the seventh with John Runyon, but I, I, I really like that fit. I think that's going to happen. That's one of my like nerdy long shot draft takes is that the Packers are going to find a way to get John Runyon athletically everything they want him to be. The question is, how do you want to approach offensive tackle? If you can't get one in the first, and that was the position I was in at that moment, there was no Joshua Jones and all of my, my favorite offensive tackles were gone. So I, I thought, okay, let's try and do two receivers. Okay, Ayuk, and then I got Pittman. And then I wanted to get an offensive tackle in the third. One did not fall to me, so I had to go Troy Die. Are the Packers comfortable enough with Rick Wagner to do duty in 2020 and 2021 that they could go into the 2021 offseason potentially losing Wagner with no replacement for him? That's It's something that that is worth thinking about. I don't think it was something that I thought was realistic. It was just a fun thought experiment. Like, what would this look like? Ultimately, I think it was a fun draft. My, my buddy Jake Morley, who's a colleague of mine over at Packer Report, put together my, my favorite mock that I've seen recently, and it had Ezra Cleveland at 30, the offensive tackle, Michael Pittman at 62, and Akeem Davis-Gaither at 94. Home, run, draft, put it on the card, take it home. This is, this is everything. I said I want to I order food and, and have a bottle of wine with this mock draft because it is sexy. This is what it's come to in quarantine, me calling... Mock drafts, sexy. <laughs> All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. A lot more to get to as we move through the off season. I hope everyone is staying safe. Stay home if you can. And if you can't, that means you you do an essential service, and we appreciate the work that you do. Please, please, please stay home if you can. If you can help local hospitals, if you can help local food banks, donate money, donate your time. This is something we all have to pull together to be a part of. If we want to beat it, we have to do it 
together. So do your part, please. Whatever that part is, not everyone can give money. If you can't, if you can give money, please do. If you can give time, please do that in a safe way. If you can give supplies, please do that. If you're, if the thing that you can do is not hoard supplies, not go to the grocery store at peak hours and stay home, then do that too. We all have to do our part. Okay, remember, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Thank you.